The Gallant Few Rangers podcast is brought to you by Triple H Mortgages, the one-stop shop for all your mortgage and mortgage insurance needs. Contact them today on 01453 887 179 or hello at hhhmortgages.com. You can also find them online at hhhmortgages.com or on their Facebook page. Since we qualified for one of the comparatively new International Cup tournaments, we have been privileged to receive in our ground some distinguished clubs from other countries. None of them, however, have been more welcome visitors to Molyneux than the famous Rangers whom we see here tonight. Rangers are amongst the elite in Scottish football and all of us at Molyneux are eagerly looking forward to seeing them. This is a direct quote from Wolves' matchday programme in the 19th of April 1961, where Rangers visited for the second leg of the European Cup Winners' Cup semi-final and eventually progressed to the final. Today we are going to look in more detail of the run that took Rangers to the first ever European Cup final. Today uh, I'm delighted to welcome Colin onto the History Show. How are you doing today, Colin? Um, I was okay before then, but I've got goosebumps after reading that. That's uh, you know. Uh, this, this is only take take four. Of <laughs> take <us>. four. <laughs> yeah, Str- that, struggling uh, the word comparatively, so yeah. Um, yeah. that last take you nailed it. But yeah, I was oh, <laughs> I thought we were gearing up for a, a final there. This is the second episode that we have on the the history show. We look back at some important times in Rangers history and review to maybe you know some of our younger listeners and older listeners a wee refresh on what it means to be a Rangers fan. And apologies um, for anybody who who was getting attached to the first intro song. You probably noticed that we try and do a different intro song for every series. Um, we had David Bowie Heroes, but YouTube um, have banned that song in Iran, so we've changed it up just in case there's any Iranian listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And any offence caused by David Bowie um, in, in the... Iran region, we are we do we do truly apologise yeah. for that. So Pub- publicly apologise. Publicly apologise. The statement will be out shortly. So Scott, before we get into the actual nineteen sixty one uh, Cup Winners Cup tournament, I think it's important to look at the background of Rangers in Europe. So at this point in time, like European football, European competition is so new. So the first ever European Cup was only only launched in nineteen fifty five. And Rangers actually, they weren't in it that season, but the following season they played their, their first ever game in uh, in the European competition. 24th of October 1956, they were drawn to Nice in the first round of, as I said, the second ever European Cup. Rangers would win 2-1 at Ibrox in the first leg, but lost to the same score on the away leg. 65,000 people at Ibrox for the first ever European game. The tie went to a playoff and Rangers lost 3-1 in the so-called neutral venue of Parc de Princesse in Paris. Um, not too sure that's too neutral. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, obviously, UEFA headquarters were in Paris at that point in time, so I think um, Nice got the the better, <laughs> the better draw. For, so, 
you know, that was Rangers' first first occasion in Europe. Uh, the second attempt at the European Cup came the following season. Rangers retaining the lead title and they went back to France for the first round again but were drawn against St Etienne. Many listeners will know about the St Etienne bike. Such uh, quite bizarrely in the Ibert's Trophy room. We won't get to any that because I think that's a whole episode in itself. I'm sorry. But Rangers beat St Etienne 3-1 in the first leg at Ibrox and despite losing 2-1 in the away leg, we go through an aggregate. In the second round, we're drawn to Italian champions AC Milan. Rangers lose 4-1 at Ibrox and 2-1 at San Siro to a very, very good Milan side who eventually become runners-up of the European Cup that year. We'll move on to the, uh, the following experience in Europe. So... Missed out in Europe in the 58-59 season, coming second in the, the previous year, but we return again to the European Cup for the season of 59-60. to 60. Rangers actually did have a very decent campaign in Europe, and they probably, again, it could be another show down the, down the line. Um, we were good beating the, the semi-finals on that occasion. On the lead to you know our eventual exit, we, we bet Anderlecht, CH Bratislava, Sparta Rotterdam and our way to the, the semis and it was a, a very talented uh, Frankfurt team that bet Rangers 6-1 and then 6-3 um, to reach the, the final in, instead of ourselves. The final was actually held at Hamden where there was 127,000 people um, inside Hamden who saw Real Madrid beat the beat the Germans. Colin, like, imagine like a you know, it's, we look back to our most recent European where it was in Manchester and we brought so many people. Imagine what it had been like if it was at Hamden and Rangers were in the final. And it'd been chaos. 127,000 uh, for a European final. That's the that's the biggest ever attendance to this day for a European uh, a European final. I mean, it would have been a lot closer to 200,000, surely. In the days where, you know, one, one in three people would buy a ticket, everybody else would have lifted over the turnstiles. Oh, it would have been madness, absolute yeah. madness. Yeah, so um, I actually do um, remember like hearing about that that game at Hamden. Um, I'm sure there was a big piece on it when Real Madrid and Bayern Leverkusen were in the Champions League final, and they were they were they were talking about the game and the the, the quality of the of the football there. So th- there's really no shame in getting put out in the semi finals from Frankfurt. I know they might not seem like much nowadays. They were a very very good side in their day. Yeah. And it's, the the reason we put these in, it's important to to kind of have a bit of a, a a prologue, if you like, to the season we're going to talk about. Rangers, well, they had three seasons of experience, mixed, yeah, 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 success, and you know, need you need to appreciate as well was like a lot of these players that were in the Rangers team would never have experienced playing against players, maybe for for Scotland, because um, obviously we know that. One hundred percent of the players would have been Scottish in that team. Yep. Like you couldn't buy foreign players, but they wouldn't have known the the likes of like coming up against like a German team, a French team. You know, such different qualities. You look nowadays, like it's very unusual for a British player to be. You know, they always stand out. British players. You look at it nowadays, like Foden and um, you know the Sancho. Like it's very unique for like somebody to be like that. But obviously. In the European context, like your Spanish, your Germans, and things like that, you look at how technically gifted they are. So it, you know, it's a complete new experience for them coming up against like you know Scottish teams. Exactly, and even like we we look at 
I don't, even Michael Beale, for example, has a, a modern day coach has the luxury to go into South America to travel around Europe. That wasn't the case back then. It was very much you learn football from your own region, sometimes your own city, and depending on the size of the country. So it's an absolute. Uh, yeah, it would have been a bizarre experience. The only way you can really compare it, maybe, is my, my personal view is you look at like World Cups around that time. You know, like how how successful they were. So you go back to that area. Obviously, South America was very prominent. I think uh, Brazil won it in '58. But even still, like you look at like West Germany, might have been dominating that uh, that time, and you know, like obviously Scotland, nowhere near like winning a World Cup trophy. You know what I mean? Or probably even England at that time so the amount of talent that these European sides have is the golfing class must have been very high is, is my personal opinion but I think like in terms of what we've discussed they are getting away t- all the way to the semi-finals and that it's you, you don't hear about that a lot uh, Colin you know what I mean that we did get to a semi-finals of a, a European Cup back then I think if you are I, I don't know what, <laughs> how many people you need to ask but I think it's quite uncommon knowledge uh, no, it is, and it was one of the things that we both wanted to bring up uh, before, you know, before going into this, uh, the, the campaign we're going to talk about, just that that's, aye, it was obviously the, it's still in its infancy, the tournament, it's only maybe the, I think that was the fifth ever European Cup, but it's still a massive achievement. Moving into the following season then, from reaching the European Cup semi-finals, Rangers enter into the first ever European Cup Winners' Cup. They haven't come third in the league the season before, but they did win the Scottish Cup. So, just a bit of background on the team and the, the tournament itself. So, Scott Simon's team uh, remained roughly the same for the that kind of five, six year period. There is a notable uh, notable new signing though, a certain James Cullen Baxter, <laughs> better known as Jim Baxter. He actually he'd broken the Scottish transfer record signing fee at that time. I think it was like something like 17 grand I mean that's I mean that's that's not even half a Glen Kamara these days it's <laughs> um, only kind of notable transfer in terms of the European Cup winners cup itself only 10 teams entered the tournament for the first ever tournament a bit of a myth around this uh, why there's so few countries it was it was always thought that because so few countries didn't have a national cup tournament that's why only 10 entered but that wasn't the case Actually, the likes of Hungary, East Germany, Italy, they all sent the league runners up. Czechoslovakia sent their kind of unofficial league cup winners. That was a bit of a friendly tournament. So every country did have the, the you know, they were allowed to enter someone um, other than the, the so league the, winners. The leagues, the league got to choose who's going to be yes. called for this tournament. Yeah, but it's more likely at this point in time. A lot of countries seen European competition as a burden. Even if you look at the first couple of years of the Euro- European Cup, Aberdeen should have represented Scotland in the first European Cup, but they, they declined it. They seen it as a burden. They seen it as a distraction for uh, league football. So Hibs actually entered the same way Manchester United and Chelsea. They actually both went against the FA's wishes and entered it because the FA didn't want English teams participating in this because it, it was almost taking the shine away for the league and the FA Cup. So... I think that's actually more more why only ten teams entered. But that's if you look at the kind of importance in European competition nowadays, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's what everybody aims for nowadays, and it's 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 crazy to think that. Pro- probably finances had a bit a lot to do with it as well in terms of you know like going away to these all these places, but 
thinking like people would decline Europe nowadays. It's it's crazy. Like how many teams in Scotland would give their right arm to like go to the group stages like we are just now even. <laughs> um, you know, when was the last time teams like who are so successful in Europe like Aberdeen like in that sort of stage and you look down down like south of the border, the aim for every team is top four. Like you know what I mean it's is winning the league is obviously the holy grail but people celebrate getting into the Champions League and the Europa League as the, the you know like your target for the season and the be all and end all like it probably doesn't matter if you finish fourth or second like the fact that you're in that Champions League spot is the, is the main thing that matters but even if you look at Rangers uh, we are recording on the back of Rangers being drawn away to Slavia Prague in the last 16 being in the last 16 of European competition it's a it's a it's a continental pride into this. Like it keeps keeps your country and your team on the map. And I don't know if it's obviously it's easy with hindsight. We are talking sixty, seventy years on, but it's it's just bizarre to think uh, why would no why would why would you not want your country represented in this stage? Yeah, no, it's it's crazy and it's such an opportunity for players and teams. I think like especially. Like, you know, you'll play nowadays, you'll go in pre season tournaments and people will come over to Scotland for example and you'll 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 play like all these type of players like even like at youth level, like I'm I'm going back to when me and you were at youth level column, we were in places like Amsterdam and uh, all over like Barcelona and things like that, playing, you know, foreign teams. So like it's a normality nowadays, but like back then it couldn't have been, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, unless you were representing your country, which, you know, 11 people out of a 5 million people population, like, you're, you're going to be doing well to get in that set up. So Rangers were drawn as one of the four teams to take part in the preliminary rounds. I mean, if Colin of 2020 has thought as anything, it's not always a, a foregone conclusion for, for Scottish teams to, to qualify for that. And uh, yes, so Rangers were actually drawn to play Hungarian runners-up Fennec Varos over the, the two legs so as I say a bit of history with them uh, coming to, to Scotland uh. maybe, uh, maybe this is why they put out Celtic in the 20-21 season uh, maybe this was finally payback um, they remembered it all for the nineteen sixty season <laughs> these Scottish bastards eh? <laughs> so despite the the, the visitors taking the lead within 20 minutes of the first leg at Ibrox, Rangers actually did go on to win the match 4-2. Harold Davis, Ralph Brand both grabbing a goal at, goal at each and Jimmy Miller scoring the all 2 In the return leg, Rangers actually do go 2-0 down uh, in Hungary, but in the 61st minute, David Wilson pulls on back to avoid a replay at Rangers and go to go through five four winners in aggregate. So as you can see, it could have been a potential banana banana skin. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, and again going back to what we're talking. About, how many how many times would these players have been up against some defeat Eastern Europe? You know what I mean? Um, I, I I firmly believe it's 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 just completely different qualities that someday from you know you look at Hungary nowadays and you think that. You know, like we should like people should be beating them. Um, obviously, you don't have the TV footage, but we should be beating these teams comfortably. But you know, they'll have such different qualities. You know, what I mean, they might be naturally more faster, naturally more stronger. It's it must have been so difficult to like, <laughs> research this. Thing. It must just be simply 
play to your strengths and read the paper and see what they've done in previous years yeah. or, or whatever, you know, because obviously the turnarounds, turn, the turnover and staff is a lot different to what it is yeah. nowadays. You know, it's a completely different side one, two years down the line, but, you know, predominantly you keep the same team for a sustained period of time. Yeah. And that's all in the way we had a wee laugh and a joke about Fair and Barros at this point, but to run Rangers crossing, this is a very, very good Rangers team. Like Scott Simmons' team, it's, it probably doesn't get enough credit. Because, but it is full of superstars. Like we spoke about Jimmy Baxter earlier on, David Wilson who got that goal. Mister Wilson is an absolute legend for Rangers, and you know, like some people would would put him in like the top ten greatest ever Rangers. In the next round, Rangers travel to Germany for the first leg of the quarterfinals, and they play Borussia Mönchengladbach. I always loved that name. <laughs> um, <it's laughs> Borussia Mönchengladbach. It's so funny to see. A very fine performance by all reports for what we've seen and Rangers go 2-0 up in the first 25 minutes in Germany or West Germany I should say at this point. George <laughs> uh, Niffen, sorry, George Niven, the Rangers role, he actually saved a penalty which could have gave the host some hope in the match uh, had it gone in but Ian McMillan puts Rangers 3-0 up in the second half and the tie looks all but finished. So we are saying the tie looks all but finished. Uh, turns out no one told Rangers. And the Ibrox, they absolutely run amok way black back. 8-0 they win Scott in the second leg. 8-0 in the European competition against a top German side. Well, wow. Time on the pitch the night before. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, brilliant. It's, um, I mean, even when you, when you know, we, we talked about it in the last show that we done, like, the tactics and things like that, but even still, like, 8-0 was just <laughs> mental, isn't Aye. it? And it's the second uh, highest uh, ever scoring for Rangers. I, I can't remember that I've seen it, but they've actually beat a team 10-0, and I think it may have been in the Champions League qualifiers or something mm-hmm. in the 90s, but at this point in time, it was um, at something 11-0 in aggregate. So in the second leg, Jimmy Baxter opens the scoring with his first ever European goal. Ralph Brand gets his first ever hat-trick. Jimmy Miller and Harold Davis get a goal each and there's a own goal in the 30th minute, completes the tally. What I found funny with this, all the reports we, we've seen, uh, it said that 38,000 38, fans turned out to see this game because most thought the tie was done. I bet you there was a few regrets there. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. But Rangers fans, you can't win with them because like, <laughs> if it's like, you know, I mean, if it was like one each, I'd be like, oh, fuck's sake, we should have done more in the first leg. But then, you know, you win 3 0 away from home, and that probably oh, no point going. It's so. good to see, even in the 60s, we've got a fickle bunch. <laughs> same, same values, definitely. So. We, we qualify for the semi-finals, uh, which is to be played at the end of March 1961, and it sees the first ever Battle of Britain as Rangers are drawn to Wolverhampton, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, back then, Wolves were a very strong side in England at the time. They were involved in a European Cup um, a couple of years before and regularly competing at the top end of the old First Division and the FA Cup. They were actually the holders going into that... Um, going into that season. First leg was actually played Ibrox in front of 80,000 fans. Alex Scott and Ralph Brand are the scorers as Rangers win 2-0. The goals came in the 33rd and the 84th minute. Well saying 80,000 turn up after the last <laughs> that, that game, eh? They were probably expecting another 8-0. <laughs> like, you know, so, so. Uh, they turn up. <laughs> It's actually quite surprising. The first leg at Ibrox, Rangers sold out, obviously, as I mentioned, 80,000 tickets, but 
Wolves actually brought only less than 1,000 people to that game, which is wow. crazy. Like, I think, you know, obviously we can't get to grounds just now, but like the first chance of like a trip down to Ibrooks, similar to like, you know, Manchester, I can, you know, people are going to be there in thousands, and I would like to hope that we'll, like, a team like Wolves would do the same nowadays. That would be just such a great atmosphere, but they actually brought 1,000 people there, so it's. Um, it's just it's, it's crazy isn't it like when you think about that do you, do you think they thought they were underestimating it or you know what what, what do you think I don't know I don't know if it is maybe maybe the time that fans might not have appreciated how big a deal this is to be playing to, to be playing against the best teams in the continent maybe they didn't appreciate that or maybe like it's the 60s like it's it's post second world war Britain and you know, obviously ration stuff isn't still in playing, but it's still a country to try to, to go on the up and try to recover. Maybe it is finances, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So obviously we won 2-0. I'm gonna come, you're going to come on to the to the second leg, Colin, but the return leg, Scotland actually played England in their annual home international four days before the return leg, and Scotland lost 9-3, uh, to England at Wembley and obviously to go with, with current times it was up to, to Rangers to restore some pride to Scottish football isn't it and keep the coefficient up <laughs> we, we, we said last time Scott some things never change eh? this is definitely one of them um, 9-3 that's, a, that's an embarrassment as well it's, and I think uh, I think the guys like Ralph Brand and uh, David Wilson they were in that Scotland team as well and I think there's you know it's changed days for now, but at, at that point in time, it was like being a Rangers fan was hand in hand with being a Scotland fan. Being a Rangers player, hand in hand, going with being a Scotland player, and like these players personally took a battering. So I think they were really fired up for <laughs> for the, the return leg, or maybe that's why England done so well. There was a couple of Wales players uh, in that England team. Maybe they were just they uh, they were wanting revenge for going two 0 down at Ibrox. Mm, the Wales players must have thought oh, this is a a walk in the park perhaps you yeah, know like definitely. taking it complacency so for the return leg Rangers actually do have a few injuries uh, well without Jimmy Miller Ian McMillan and Max Murray uh, all of whom were uh, regulars in the, the previous uh, the previous two rounds 10 minutes in Harold Davies actually overstretches for a tackle and pulls a muscle in his leg as well so that's another injury worry after maybe 10-15 minutes they get in treatment he does go back on, but he, instead of playing in the centre, he goes out wide to try and keep out of the way. These are the days where we don't have any substitutions, so we either play with 10 men or you play with 10 men and an injured player. It's madness, isn't it? <laughs> I actually yeah. remember that, and I think it was uh, like the Liverpool and AC Milan Champions League fight. I think it was the one that AC Milan won, and it was uh, Rocky Jr. They, they'd used all their subs, and this man was just. He was a Brazilian centre half, and he was playing like right, right attack or whatever, <laughs> right wing, and he was just limping about the field. So like, it must have been like similar to like, to like that, you know. You give all you can. It's like final. It's a high pressure situation, but you just need to do what you can for the team. So all the snippets that we've seen for this game, um, it does talk about a very, very good entertainment game of football with two teams at the top of the level at the time um, and top of, you know. Amongst the best teams uh, for their countries, Rangers were the best team in Scotland that year. 
they went on and won the league and Wales were challenging a very good Spurs side but the game finishes one each and it is very much heralded as a like, such a great game of football Alex Scott puts Rangers 1-0 up at Stoke at half time Ralph Brand latches on to a long ball sees off a couple of Wales defenders lays it back for Scott who puts a kind of finesse shot past the keeper Peter Broadbent equalised for Wales in the 65th minute, but Rangers are able to hold on to their 3-1 aggregate win, making them the first ever British team to reach a European final. So we've talked about the level of football Scott there, which is... Um, also, we, we couldn't find a video, you and I, watching back to this. Um, YouTube wasn't quite... Uh, wasn't quite... Wasn't about in the 60s Wasn't about, no. Nobody was there with a periscope, streaming it on Twitter, the IPTV, anything like that. But all the newspaper reports and stuff, it was talk about just two great teams and obviously the likes of, the likes of Davey Wilson, Jimmy Baxter, just being great for Rangers, which leads me on my next point. Some whistles might have heard quite a famous Rangers song and it all stems back for this game. This is your favourite Rangers song? Am I? Uh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, definitely. The fact that we, we have a song to sign about a single game where we didn't even win I think that says everything you need to know oh I know and it's how many how, how many Rangers fans would know about that game or have seen it you know what I mean and we still sing about that song it just I, I feel as though that it proves like how well we played and really how how much we took back the English press and you know like maybe you know people underestimate underestimating Rangers at that time like if they're just a, a Scottish team they're not going to beat well well like we had bet them but mm-hmm. I don't think they they expected to have a level of opponent and the fact that we're still singing about that as you say what, what was that 60 70 years later it's um we sing about that it's a, it's a catchy song but it has a lot of meaning behind it as well because I think this is the first time we're like appreciated that we're such a big club sort of uh, in a European scale yeah. and I think um, Wills were expecting a decent game that that quote we read out at the start but I don't mm. think they quite quite thought would be a match for an English team at that point mm. by the looks of it what what strikes me about that song is speaking about the fans you know we need to caveat this with you and I are both biased, but I'm sure we both agree we're the best fans in the world. And um, we always have been. Um, yeah, this is a Rangers podcast. If anybody's looking for an objective point of view, then maybe look elsewhere. But no, they speak about the fans and just turning up in their, in their thousands and, you know, singing God Save the Queen. And like you, you and I were both talking beforehand. It looks as if speaking about that. You were a Rangers fan and a Scotland fan, like passionately. The fans that travelled down to Wembley for that game against England, most of them made a wee holiday out of it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was a lot of kind of angry wives. <laughs> but aye, four days later, on the way back up, they stopped in they stopped in Wolverhampton and caught the game as well. So a lot of fans that were actually at Wembley seen this game as well, and that why that's why there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. And the last thing, uh, just on the the line that I love is the world forever after we'll talk of Jimmy Baxter and on his head they'll place a noble crown and I think that's again it's beautiful and it's just we'll say this so many times through these shows but that's a that's a whole show in itself the the kind of the rise and fall of the late great Jimmy Baxter yeah definitely definitely we'll move on to the the final 
Now we we drew Fiorentina for the final. I don't think we drew them. I think both teams quite. <laughs> I think both teams won the way. Ah, well. <laughs> <laughs> and this was actually the only ever two-legged affair in the tournament. So the first leg was played on the seventeenth of May, nineteen sixty-one. 1961, sorry, on a Wednesday night uh, with a 7.30pm kick-off. Luigi Milan scores in the 12th and 88th minute for the visitors. And it's said that while Rangers were outmatched in terms of quality and tactically, there was some brilliant individual performances by the home side. Most notably, um, as we've discussed many times in this, uh, this episode, Jim Baxter, again, superb. 21 year old to that point 21 exactly exactly what were you doing when you were 21 you were only playing in a European oh, final gosh. anyway so the return leg was, was 10 days later and it was played at 3 o'clock on a, on a Saturday afternoon this old enemy Colin Luigi Milan puts Fiorentina away um, ahead early on we then had uh, Alex Scott pull one back in the 60th minute but not enough for Rangers and Fiorentina, Fiorentina get the second from Cut hammering in the dying moments of the of the game. So yeah, we eventually went went out, but there must be some some great pride with that. Is a is a team who maybe don't play, you know, not used to European style of football, and obviously we we won the European Cup Winners Cup, you know, ten ten years later. It must have proved some good experience building up to that as well, and a, and a successful campaign and all. And everybody looks back at two thousand and eight in Manchester and think it was a a successful tournament that we done. So you you need to look back at this in the same the same you know mentality, don't you? I think you do, and you look at Rangers' season that year. We we went we went on and won the league. We went on and won the league cup, and then getting to the league, uh, the the European Cup Winners' Cup final as well and it's again I think this Scott's Scott Simon team doesn't get enough credit we've got guys like Jim Baxter David Wilson Harold Davies Ralph Brand you know absolute guys that go down in folklore uh, with Rangers fans and it's this was them competing in the big stage not just this season but the season before as well getting to the semi-finals uh, but you do need to take some pride in that. It's the first ever Europe, uh, British side to reach a European final. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but it's just... It's just, not talked about a lot, is it's it? Not it's not about. like the, the first European... Like, if somebody said that in a pub quiz, it's like even down south or, you know, up here, I don't think many people would know that if it was who's the first British team to, to compete in a European Cup final. No, exactly. And it's... Because we didn't win the trophy, that kind of puts a shadow on like talking about this side. But we we got to another one five six years later. Uh, we won't spoil too much, but we'll we'll come to that at some point. We won it eleven years later. You know this this was the first of four European finals that Rangers would Rangers would reach, and it's you're right. It's not spoken about enough. Brings us nicely to a close. It was it was good to to look back in that. Um, as I say, it was it was a privilege actually researching that in a, a bit more detail. Um, I hear the song every week when you go to when you go to Ibrox. Finding actually a, a bit more information on what happened was was a real pleasure for me. Anyway, Colin. No, me too. Again, go back to that. It's one of my favourite songs, but just actually understanding the meaning behind it, and it wasn't just this one-off, random one-off game. Like it was, it was a game of huge importance for 
in terms of for, for Wales and Rangers first ever battle of Britain and it's a, the semi-final of the first ever European Cup Winners Cup and it's a, a really important part of Rangers history Always good scalping English when they're into it so. Always good, Always good. <laughs> That'll bring us to a close Thanks, uh, Thank you Colin for your, for your time and, and your research Always a pleasure Scott No problem and uh, we'll be back next month with another episode of the, the History Show Thank you for listening For some years and my eyes filled up with tears When the rangers came to Wolverhampton town So I took a trip along just to hear some famous songs When the rangers came to Wolverhampton town I stood there all alone while the boys all down from home Sang of rangers, that team of great renown And a sight I'd never seen when they sang God Save the Queen when the Rangers came to Wolverhampton Town There's not a team like the Glasgow Rangers One of the famous songs they sung And a sight I'd never seen when they sang God Save the Queen When the Rangers came to Wolverhampton Town Now on the field below, the boys put on a show The likes they'd never seen at Molyneux and it's football, it was grand from McMillan, Scott and Brand When the Rangers came to Wolverhampton Town There's not a team like the Glasgow Rangers One of the famous songs they sung And a sight I'd never seen when they sang God Save the Queen When the Rangers came to Wolverhampton Town now the white flag must come nearer With men like Bobby Shearer The way he played at Wolverhampton Town And the world forever after Would sing of Jimmy Baxter For on his head they placed that noble crown There's not a team like the Glasgow Rangers One of the famous songs they sung and a sight I'd never seen When they sang God Save the Queen When the Rangers came to Wolverhampton Town Now I knew it had to happen I heard a mighty roar The famous Glasgow Rangers they had scored And the sky was white and blue Wolverhampton shook right through The loyal ramping Rangers had come through There's not a team like the Glasgow songs they sung and a sight I'd never seen when they sang God Save the Queen when the Rangers came to Wolverhampton Town when the Rangers came to Wolverhampton Town